I have updates on everything. Okay, people, let's begin. Off. Get up, everybody! Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bait Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus. Flying solo today as we deconstruct the propaganda war being waged against the American people. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's get to the truth. let that music run out yeah there you go thank you everybody for tuning in special episode this is episode 50 50 50 episodes and unfortunately my partner in uh narrow casting jeremy is not with us so we're going to put off celebrating episode 50 until he uh uh, is able to join us and in fact we won't celebrate episode 50 we'll celebrate having reached 50 episodes when Jeremy is able to join us. Uh, But this is a special episode because it is 50. It's pretty amazing getting to 50. Hopefully we'll get to 100. We'll see what happens. Um, Share the show. Please share the show. That's how we grow. And, uh, you know, go to iTunes or wherever you're listening uh, to uh, leave a uh, rating five stars. That's what this show deserves, of course. Five stars. Anything less is inappropriate. And uh, leave a comment. I know on iTunes, yeah, if you you go to the show page, you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll be able to see where then they have a section where you can leave the star rating and a comment. We always uh, love and appreciate that. Today, I have a ton of updates. Uh, It seems like all the stories we've been covering have important updates worthy of covering. I have... Uh, Of course, I have a China update, I have an election update, I have a Hawaii update, I have, wow, what else do I have? I have, I have a uh, Ford update, you know, we've talked about the electric cars in the past, Ford is seriously uh, faltering in that department. And I have uh, Snow White. That's not an update, but uh, Snow White is on the radar. So what should we start with today? Why don't we start with... Well, let's go, let's go with... An, let's start with the election, okay? And I'm not, we're not going to spend a ton of time in this. We've, we've spent uh, the entire... Pre, you know, most of the previous episode, which thankfully Jeremy was able to join in on, uh, interviewing the uh, always uh, brilliant uh, Professor William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection, legalinsurrection.com. And he gave us a, uh, I, I thought was a really interesting analysis of the most recent indictment in Georgia. And I just wanted to play, this is a reaction uh, that is making the rounds uh, on Twitter, I think that it was probably originally posted to TikTok. It's a gentleman who lives in Fulton County, Georgia, which is where uh, Trump and 18 others associated with him are being indicted on RICO charges. So here's this reaction. It's pretty interesting. The last 14 years, I've called Georgia home. I have my business here, got married here. My daughter was born in Fulton County. I've been all over the world and most major U.S. cities. If I could live anywhere, I would stay right here in Georgia. To me, Georgia is the best place in the world. Where people still say, yes, ma'am, and thank you, sir. Where even the liberals go to church on Sundays. And to see the establishment drama brought to my doorsteps, the globalist socialist chaos brought to our community. Last night, when I watched the Fulton County DA smirk, while she indicted former President Donald Trump along 18 others on RICO charges like they are part of the Sopranos, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty pissed. And then I read all 96 pages of the indictments. There is nothing in there to get anyone. 
The DA specifically said that the overt acts listed are not illegal on their own, but because there are enough of them, they can be charged as a criminal enterprise. What do these overt acts include? Questioning the outcome of the 2020 election, for making false statements about the integrity of the election in other states, for asking for email addresses of public officials and sending emails, for hiring forensic data teams to review election results, for requesting hearings to challenge the results, for unnamed people sending emails, and most importantly, mean tweets. This trial goes nowhere, and they know it. So why all the drama? And why was I so upset? It's not because of the charges. The charges are It's because I could see their plan and I could feel it working. You gotta see the big picture. The play is always geopolitics, always control. The globalist socialist establishment has already conquered LA, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago. Where are the Trump indictments? They're trying to take New York, Virginia, Miami, and now Atlanta. Notice they are not indicting him in areas they've already won. It's a squeeze play. Can you see the map? The point of these indictments is not to prevent Trump from running for president. Of all the indictments and charges, none of them can prevent him from running. It's not even about preventing him from winning. They see that the poll numbers jump every time an indictment is announced. If they truly believe that Trump was plotting to overthrow the U.S. government, they would focus all of their energy, resources, and personnel on one case and try to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. You don't indict in multiple states with multiple charges with multiple teams of lawyers. You don't spray and pray. The sole point of the indictments is to divide this country, to keep us occupied fighting each other, Republican versus Democrat, man versus woman, black versus white versus brown versus yellow, poor versus less poor. Don't get distracted. It's not us versus each other. It's us versus them. They're not trying to save democracy. They're trying to crush it. If you're watching from Georgia, if you are my neighbor, beware. Look at what they've done in other cities, other states. Homelessness, drugs, and violence. Burning it all down so they can build it back up and gain control. The talking head propagandists will surely plaster the news cycle. This time, we got him. What they really mean is, this time, we got you. Amen, brother. That is, I think, spot on. I think he makes the exact uh, right points. You know, and what he's talking about, how this is really designed to inflame, that got me thinking in terms of, you remember, uh, just before the indictment dropped, it was leaked online. And the clerk of the court accidentally hit uh, enter instead of like, do not enter. I don't know why. I don't know what. Accidentally posted it online, allegedly. Um, yeah. It, it, unless there is a pattern of accidentally releasing indictments online before they are handed down from the grand jury, which is what happened in this case, then when you look at it through this context of the previous clip, I uh, think that it's possible that it was released like that intentionally so that it would create the chaos. And then when they released the actual indictment and accidentally had the grand jury members' names and personal inform- other personal information uh, on, the, uh, on the filing, uh, to me, this is, they're trying to incite uh, violence. They're trying to incite threats of violence at the very least. They want the narrative of threats of violence being aimed at these uh, jurors, the members of the grand jury. And leaking their names does that. So I think this guy's right. I think this is all an op. This is ca- just a play for chaos and division. Um, and uh, and it's it's working. Um uh, here I have a clip from Ted Cruz uh, that's making the rounds where he basically is saying, look, you know, yeah, they're doing all this lawfare uh, to destroy the GOP and destroy the country, destroy the Constitution. But really, we shouldn't stoop to their level. I understand the sentiment 
of, damn it, if these are going to weaponize the justice system and try to lock up Republicans for running against them, we ought to weaponize the justice system and lock up Democrats for being Democrats. I, I understand that that's a very human reaction. Uh, I don't agree with it. Uh, I, I don't agree with abusing law enforcement, whether it is for my team or the other team. Yeah, I love Ted. I, he's great, smart guy. I think he's wrong on this. And this is Sean Davis responding. This is all taking place on Fox News. Yeah, I love Ted. I, he's great, smart guy. I think he's wrong on this. And, and I think the thing that he and others should look at is the Cold War. How did the U.S. win the Cold War against an evil empire? They had nukes, we had nukes, we were worried about them nuking us. We used a policy called mutually assured destruction that said if you so much as even think about launching something against us, we will nuke you in your entire country and if we all go down, so be it. And it was that doctrine, that fear that was instilled in both sides that hey, we better watch it or we're both gonna get nuked, that actually led to something of a detente and then the eventual fall of the Soviet empire. You gotta do the same thing here. You can't tie your hands behind your back, let them punch you in the face and throw you in prison and say, well, you know, I could respond, but that would be icky and it wouldn't make me feel good. You're either interested in winning as a politician and putting points on the board, or you're a loser. And for too long, Republicans have been content to be losers. They're happy to, to beat the spread, but they don't really want to win. And I think the time for that kind of stuff is over. That, that is right, and you can thank Donald Trump for ending that, uh, for bringing an end to that era. Uh, that's amazing. He is the uh, uh, publisher of The Federalist, and, or is he the editor of The Federalist? Uh, let's see, they had his title up here. CEO and co-founder of The Federalist. So The Federalist basically understands now that there is a... I love the way that he frames it. It's a cold war. He didn't say that, but he, he, he's talking about mutually assured destruction. That is a cold war element, uh, a pillar of the cold war. Uh, and he's describing the relationship between the left and the right in this country uh, as that cold war. Although I, I think he's mistaken. I don't think this is Democrat versus Republican. This is establishment versus everybody else. Uh and let's uh, we'll uh, switch gears. We're still in the election update, but uh, uh, I was I received an email from Al and Joliet bringing my attention to Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy's uh, Ten Commandments for the twenty four election. So he put out this list here, this uh, Vivek's... Um, oh, and I couldn't find any media on it at all. There was an article, and that was what uh, Al sent to me. But, you know, I don't. I can either read an article or I can try and find a clip. Uh, and I found this clip. This is um, from... Watchdog on Wall Street. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. And here he uh, lists the Ten Commandments. So he put out this list here, this uh, Vivek's um, Ten Commandments 2024 election. Number one, God is real. Number two, there are two genders. Uh, number three, human flourishing requires fossil fuels. Um, number four, reverse racism is racism. Uh, number five, an open border is no border. Number six, parents determine the education of their children. Number seven, the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Number eight, capitalism lifts people up from poverty. Number nine, there are three branches of the U.S. government, not four. And number 10, the U.S. Constitution is the strongest guarantor of freedoms in history. Hard to disagree with any of that. I am curious what uh, what our producers feel about uh vivek rewriting the ten commandments is that okay is that not okay if it is okay what do we think of this as a campaign tactic is it going to help him we're talking about it i don't know kind of interesting he's doing a lot of interesting stuff although i still think he works for i think i think he's a plant of donald trump's i think he's donald trump's guy uh okay let's go to hawaii uh where it is just a continuing disaster unfolding 
painfully in slow motion. Here is the director of... What is this guy? He is Maui Emergency Services Head. Uh, here he is responding to a question about why didn't the emergency sirens uh, go off to, to warn people uh, that there was a, uh, impending danger. Do you regret not sounding the sirens? I, I do not. And the reason why... and so- I do not. <sighs> It could he possibly have given a, a, a worse answer? It, it, uh, what he his reasoning in a way makes a little bit of sense, but who would know and who would care after he answers the question that way? And what unfolds in the room is very interesting in this clip. The uh, There's somebody standing behind the guy who's at the podium, and he's in a red shirt. He's got a black coat on, and he is... He's a big dude, and he's like a tough guy. He looks like a tough guy in the room. And when this starts to go back and forth and get a little contentious, he becomes the tough guy in the room. And that's the voice you're going to hear interject itself. Do you regret not sounding the sirens? I, I do not. And the reason why... And So many people said they could have been saved if they had time to escape. Had a siren gone off... They would have known that there was a crisis emerging, and as we know, so many bodies were found in the ground. As do you want, the him, do you want him to give you the answer, or do, do you want to give let him finish? The, let him finish his I'm answer. Sorry, there's a lot of people. Well, you're talking, and you're not letting him talk. If you want to talk, come up here. I'm ready for the answer. Then wait. The sirens, as I had mentioned earlier, is used primarily for tsunamis, and that's the reason why many of them are found, almost all of them are found on the coastline. The public is trained to seek higher ground in the event that the siren is sounded. In fact, on the website of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, the firing guideline is provided. If you are in a low-lying area near the coastline, evacuate to high grounds. So, okay, I mean, his explanation makes a little bit of sense, but who would know and who would, nick, who would care after the first answer? Do you regret not sounding the sirens? I, I do not. He does not. He, he has no regret at all. Uh, it's just the wrong answer. Even if you feel like not uh, sounding the alarm was the right thing, it's the wrong answer in that moment. He needs some help from a crisis management expert, which he's not going to get because Maui Emergency Services head resigns as more disturbing details emerge about problematic response. Uh, that was just hours after that soundbite. He resigned. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I wouldn't. How would I know whether or not they should have sounded the alarms or not have sounded the alarms? He even made it sound like there was some wiggle room that it's normally used for tsunamis. Uh, but that does that mean it's not always used for tsunamis? Uh, I have not looked at their guidelines, so I don't know uh, exactly what they are, but... Uh, just thought that was, uh, <laughs> they're really in good hands there uh, in Hawaii. If I were everyone else in Hawaii, I'd feel really, really safe right now. Um, and, you know, it gets even more interesting than that. You know, I've been very suspicious about the narratives that have been uh, given to us. Uh, first, just that it was just this wildfire, because to me, again, I didn't like the idea that this implied that this was just sort of a naturally occurring event. Now, uh, there's a lot of media reports that are catching up, because I had played it early on, that the uh, reports about uh, downed electrical lines and that the lines were still live. Uh, and I made the point that you know that there were reports of children being sent home from school because they were so concerned about uh, the effects of the uh, hurricane uh, and uh, uh, the wind, and so they were uh, they sent the kids home. But apparently, this was not enough of a concern to take the power off of these lines, even though there were dry conditions. And, uh, and you know, look. Intentional, not intentional, who in the world knows at this point, but uh, uh, certainly at the very least, the most charitable thing you can say, it's just uncoordinated malfeasance. But there may be reasons to think that, that this is not just some 
innocent thing that's going on uh, here. This is a clip that I have from YouTube, and I, I think he identifies himself in the beginning. Uh, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. There's some yeah, Dave Hodges, host of the Common Sense Show on YouTube. Dave Hodges, Common Sense Show. There's some things that really bother me about Maui. I'm not alleging any funny business. I just want to say the day that this happened, this greatly assisted China. Maui is the eyes and ears of the nation. Let me just go through a few things here. The most sophisticated high-performance computers are in Maui, and they're geared and run a lot of our national defense through AI. Was that destroyed? We'll never know. They won't tell us. The Space Force is headquartered in Maui. The Space Force is really about the only advantage we have over China. Maybe the submarines, but Space Force definitely. Was it damaged? We don't know. Maui space surveillance can track anything that moves on the planet, in the air, on the ground, and underwater. Was that damaged? We don't know. Our directed energy weapons are housed in Maui. Office of Deep Tracking Space. Again, that gets back to tracking asteroids. If Maui is negated because of its an eye, eyes and ears capability, the West Coast is vulnerable to invasion. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what? I didn't know uh, most of that. I went and looked up. Uh, yeah, the uh, Space Force is right there in Maui. Uh, Maui is where he he's saying mil is where our military AI is located. I don't have confirmation of that, but uh, and then he uh, he has this as well. So uh, China, uh, you know, I, who who knows whether or not that's the case in terms of China? It may China did it, and it and it all this benefits China or. Uh, this was just complete malfeasance, and all of it benefits China. <laughs> all of this benefits other people as well, as he goes on to say. I went to the state of Hawaii website, and I wanted to see what the status was with zoning and projects, and oh boy. They want to turn Maui into a 15-minute city. It's really clear from the uh -oh. organization structure. They don't say that in writing. But I recognize it from the Tucson plan, the Cleveland plan that I've seen. They want to turn Maui into a 15-minute city. And they want huge developers in there. And they already have them slotted in. And I saw this map where they had a color-coded map. Can't do here because you're right on the beach. Can't build here because that's Lahaina. And then everything around Lahaina and down to near the beach, all developers. But it's worse. Here comes the governor again. He took away the national, uh, excuse me, the state development council. They're basically a, a business alliance group from the state government that was designed to keep uh, out of Hawaii investors out of Maui. He canceled that earlier this year. How many coincidences are you going to buy? Oh, but we're not done. Bezos has offered $100 million to West Maui to build a smart city. Hello, 15-minute city. It's exactly what this is. So, well, okay. Disconcerting. Uh, I'm not suggesting that they... Burned the good people of Maui off the island uh, so that they could turn it into a 15-minute city. Uh, it's just possible that people are just waiting, chomping at the bit to take advantage uh, and uh, profit off of the misery. As Rahm Emanuel once said, never letting a good crisis go to waste. You know, it, it is interesting, though. I think that one thing that we should maybe consider is that uh, with all of the incredibly sensitive military installations uh, on Maui and elsewhere, uh, 
come to think of it. Uh, is it possible maybe that um, as we're heading into this Cold War with China, we are really just wanted to have a greater zone of protection around these military installations, and we just burned a whole bunch of people off the island, uh, literally, so that uh, there just wouldn't be any population there? It grants them a little bit of more uh, solitude, a little more uh, protection from spies. I don't know. Hey, I'm just asking questions. That's that's. I'm a uh, what is uh, Adam Curry of No Agenda? He says he's a conspiracy therapist. <laughs> that's. I think that's uh, the role I'm playing here today as well. Uh, yeah, in China, they mocked. Biden for his response to Maui. Uh, and let's see, this was on Breitbart. Again, this came in through uh, Big Al and Joliet. China mocks Biden's inability to handle Hawaii fires. Chinese state media this week leafly mocked President Joe Biden for bungling the response to Hawaii's wildfires. Now, that's very interesting if you uh, Take into account, you remember just a, a few episodes ago, we were talking about the uh, massive flooding that's happening in China. The Beijing was complete underwater. It was the worst flooding natural disaster in China's history. Uh, and uh, it's thought, you know, could have uh, potentially toppled the Xi government and maybe still uh, might play a role. But uh, they have completely bungled the. Well, it's not bungled. They're true to true to form. They are, uh, you know, basically everybody's being left to fend for themselves. Which, from what I hear, is also happening in Maui. Uh, so not much difference. But uh, uh, China is just no one to talk on that level. And I'm sure that they're really only mocking uh, uh, the U.S. response to Maui so that they can put the focus there as opposed to on China. Um, but China, here we have a China update. Let's do uh, Oh, what happened? I had China music ready and it's not playing. I don't have I don't have it. I'm gonna have to bring it to you in the next episode. Anyway, imagine some music as you're walking into oh wait, here wait, is it there? <gasps> yes! There you go. The China Update. There you go. Uh, oh, I exited out of the song just as it was getting really exciting. So China has a, a raft of problems, some of which are going to sound eerily familiar to what we're experiencing, but apparently they are headlong into deflation. And to help explain deflation and what is happening there, we turn to our reliable YouTube friends at uh, China Fact Chasers on YouTube. Cars, right? Cars, right? I'm not going to go buy a car. Are you going to go buy a car if you're thinking that the future economy in the next five years is probably not going to do very well? No. no. I mean, like, it's the thing is, it's you don't know if you're going to have a job. A you purchase. don't know if you're going to have the money. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't go buy a house. No. If I was in China right now and I see all these problems with the real estate market, I see the fact that we were locked away for three years because yep. of COVID. Yeah. And my future's just not all there. I'm not yep. going to really want to put that much money down because no. I don't know if I'm going to have a job to pay for it. Correct. Right. Correct. So that yeah. means you've got a falling demand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the next step in that is you're going to have falling prices. Like you said, you're going to try to make that good more appealing to the customer mm. because they're not buying it anymore. But yeah. if it's cheap enough, if you have a car and you slash it in half and you're like, well, I know the economy's not doing well, but, but I can afford yeah. half the price. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Next, what do you have? You have debt defaults. Yeah. Banks are loaning people money to yeah. buy houses and things like this, right? You got, you're not going to be able, if no one can pay it back, what do you think is yeah. going to happen? Debt defaults. Then you have bankruptcies. You have people and businesses declaring bankruptcy left and right in China, yeah. right? 
then you have layoffs and wage reductions. So people aren't going to be able to afford to keep their staff up. They're not going to increase their scale. They're not sure. going to increase the, the economy. They're going to contract. And so then those people can't afford the product. So then the... You know, because now they don't have a job anymore. Yeah, it keeps going. It keeps. You going. understand? D- deflation is one of the worst things that can happen to you. Yeah. The property market in China is collapsing. Yeah. And I'll give you a personal example. A person I know had a six million RMB apartment. Yeah. So let's say that's like that? a million like US dollars. Almost a million US dollars, right? Yeah. The UN is weaker now, but yeah. Um, let's just say it's a million US dollars. They just sold it for five hundred thousand RMB. Right. So yeah. that what is what is five hundred thousand RMB nowadays? I have nowadays? no idea, but it's a hell of a lot less than a million US dollars. So they sold a million dollars. Sorry, they sold a million dollar apartment for sixty nine thousand dollars. Yeah, you can remedy deflation by getting people to spend money. This is where it gets really close to home. Yes, and you can have a certain amount of like federal control really over the economy. Well, right? I think that isn't that why. You know, Biden sent checks to us or whatever during Correct. COVID. Correct. You, you, you can He's inject. Like, Here, man, go, go buy some stuff. Right. You <laughs> right? can inject money into an economy to to make sure that this doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Which eventually will lead to inflation of some sort. Right. Yeah. But deflation with China, they can't inject in any more money because every time they bail out a property company, because people pretty much only want to invest in property, right? In yeah. China, there's no reliable way to invest your money. Then you're in a situation now where property companies are defaulting. Yeah. They're defaulting on the loans that the government tried to bail them out with. Yes. They're sell- they can't even build the houses that people have already bought. And are paying for by And them. are paying for, they're paying mortgages on houses that will never exist. Yes. It's a massive bubble that has already started to be penetrated by deflation. It's yeah. wicked bad. Does anybody think we are far behind? And it, it, they really n- hit the nail on the head. They seem to be thinking it's a good thing. <laughs> they're talking about it like it's some sort of positive. But... All the spending that we've been doing, all the stimulus, the Inflation Reduction Act, the wars, all of it, it's all about printing money. It's all about attempting to stave off deflation, which is a death spiral, which I I, I don't know how we avoid it. I guess we're trying to uh, outgrow it with People and a printing press, uh, borders wide open, people coming wi- uh, coming coming in, streaming in, and a printing press going. Uh, you add alternative, uh, what is it, uh, 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 guaranteed minimum income, thank you. And, uh, you know, that's, you, you, take, you take giant, uh, population, give them guaranteed minimum income, and boom, you stave off uh, deflation by just stoking <laughs> endless inflation. Uh, they sound like uh, two sides of the same uh, same coin, the same death spiral. Heads or tails, it doesn't matter. Uh, but here's how China's uh, reacting uh, internally to try and address the issue. So people in the banking sector are now saying, by mm-hmm. the way, that they have to study or read four books of Xi Jinping per month. Four books. And then write reports on it. If you think about it, China's economy right now is falling down, rolling down a hill, really. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want people to do is sit there reading stuff that's not relevant and then testing them on that. So they have to like sit down and have a test. And, yes. Like, do they have to like write essays about yes, it? Yes, they have to write essays and then penalize and remove them f- and fine them for not doing that, but it has nothing to do with their banking performance. And I think right. this is something people don't understand about Chinese companies is the fining thing. Yes. Because this used to happen in the companies I used to work in as well. Like, for instance, when I worked for the rapist in the rapist school, right. if somebody was like a minute late, they would fine them. Mm-hmm. And by fine, I mean they deducted money from their salary. Yeah. And it's very – the salaries are not big. Okay? Oh, they're bad in so, China. I think uh, the salary for the like the receptionist there was something like three thousand eight hundred RMB a month. Okay, five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, <clears throat> and the fine for being late a minute was two hundred and fifty RMB. Whoa! So if and they used to have like a sheet where like there'd be a 
like a basically a narc who sits there wow. and like someone comes a minute That's late they'd be like write down their name and wow. the time and all that and then at the end of the month that person loses money like if they didn't bow or something or they didn't do something if they wore their shirt a little wrong or they didn't have a their pin on because we used to have to wear these lapel pins there right which was stupid um if you didn't have the lapel pin on or it was skew or something there's another fine so if you don't watch yourself, you could actually have no salary or yeah. even negative salary. Yeah. Some bank executives and business heads have to take around a third of their working time. This is the important figure here. Yeah. Studying Xi Jinping thought. A third of their working time. So dumb. That's productivity, right? Yeah. Which is already low in China. Yeah. Joining activities and courses or reading four books from Xi every month. So is this not having an effect on, um, you know foreign companies that are oh, massively you know, massively you like think this is palatable people? to people that want to go bring investment the only people pushing for investment into china are bad people <laughs> like nike and tesla and apple <laughs> i don't i don't know what nike situation is now um uh, yeah so uh, the, I think the thing that they're missing or that they're at least not accentuating is what's really what they're really talking about is that Chairman G is has embarked on a process of re-education, of mass re-education of the financial sector. And so, yeah, the, Xi doesn't care that they're careening uh, off a cliff financially. He's not interested in that. They're not interested. He's not interested in a capitalist future. He's interested in a communist future. So do you think he cares? He doesn't seem to care. He's more interested in re-educating his population, getting them ready for the future that he has in mind for them, which is nothing like what we have in mind for them or for ourselves. Uh so that's the that is the end of the China update. But you know what? That really should take us to this. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're there, and we're there in like thirty-five minutes. It's amazing. This is when I get to tell you how it is we do business here on the Truth Bay Podcast, because you might have noticed, no commercials, zero commercials. We don't have any commercials, no corporate sponsors. We have citizen sponsors, because if we were to have corporate sponsors, there's absolutely no way we could talk about the things we do and uh, pontificate about different conspiracy theories, conspiracy facts. Uh, we just wouldn't be able to do it if we had corporate sponsors. We would lose those corporate sponsors right away. So we have we use the uh, the value for value model, which was pioneered, invented and pioneered by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda Show. You should be listening to their podcast after you listen to this podcast, only after. And uh, uh, the way that it works is if you think that you're getting value from what you're listening to, if the the work that I'm putting in, that Jeremy puts in when he's available, the work that you're doing, that other producers are doing, what you're listening to, if it's bringing value to you, if it, you feel like you're learning something, uh, 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 maybe it's just you know helping you make sense of the world. Uh, then you're getting value. And if you're getting value, we ask you to return value to the podcast. And the best way you can return value to the podcast is to share the show. Share the show. Uh, uh, you know, uh, people you bump into. I, it happens to me. We I, Recently, I had to have uh, a HVAC uh, repaired in my house. The HVAC guy comes over. We end up in conversation. He ends up telling me about a podcast. I forget the name of it, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but it sounded exactly like something I would be interested in. So the next thing I know, I'm telling him about the podcast that I'm interested in. That's how it works. And when that uh, opportunity arises, the Truth Bait Podcast, Return Value, Share the Show. That's how we grow. And the other way, the other incredibly important way, maybe it's also the most important way, we're tied for the most important ways, is by sending in content, truth at truthbait.com, truth at truthbait.com, truth at truthbait.com. Write us, send us content, send us things that you see out there that are interesting to you. Uh, uh, send us clips that you see 
include time code, include comments. What what is it that interests you about that content? This is your show. A lot of what you're hearing is is stuff that is sent in. It's, you know, of course, it's also the things that I'm finding out there because I have special skills at finding this material and presenting it uh, in a way that is completely unique and beneficial to everybody in the listening audience. But the truth is uh, that I could not possibly be doing this by myself. Jeremy and I couldn't do this without you uh, our producers. And so, uh, you know, t- taking part, sending in content is of incredible value uh, to the to the podcast. And if you want to keep hearing this podcast, if it, if it is of value, it requires you to take part. Uh, and that is the end of that. Yeah, I've decided to just start playing the music segments, the music on either end of the segments. Uh, I feel like it gives a definition. I would rather uh, have, you know, specific music for the end of the segments that's different than the beginning of the segments, but for now, that's what we're going to have to put up with. Uh, let's go to... Oh, you know what? Like I said, let's see. I have, I have an article about Ford... Because uh, I've covered this in the uh, in previous episodes, where Ford is just they are losing their shirts, uh, uh, dealing with uh, the you know moving over to their mostly electric fleet. And recently, uh, here's the headline from Washington Free Beacon: Reality Check: Ford CEO struggles to charge EV during road trip. <laughs> Wonderful! This article is hilarious. Let me read. Uh, let's see. Ford CEO Jim Fairley said he faced a reality check while attempting to charge his electric truck during a road trip across the American West, an admission that comes as President Joe Biden spends billions to spur electric vehicle adoption. Uh, he says, Charging has been pretty challenging adding that uh, one stop took him 40 minutes to charge his truck battery, just 40%. It was a really good reality check, the challenges of what our customers go through. Wow, congratulations. So that's really, they basically test the quality control of their vehicles uh, and user experience the same way Pfizer tests their vaccines. They just release it out into the public. And then eventually they go out and they see. They, uh, it, actually, if, Ford were to, if Pfizer and Ford were to work really the same, Pfizer would eventually just like have all of their staff take the real shot and they would just start dropping dead and having strokes. Uh, just like now Ford is having their people drive the electric cars and they can't charge them anywhere uh this is a really good business model uh these companies have uh let's see um farley's social media posts gave insight into the hurdles associated with driving electric vehicles over long distances in one post farley asks his social media followers to share their experiences with charging on the road uh and uh, let's see, one user says, not the greatest, many slow, many broken chargers. The user said, uh, let's see, Farley acknowledged in another post that finding a charging station wasn't always easy, telling one user he had to go to multiple stations to find one that was available. And when he says one that was available, is it that there's so much demand that there's lines for this, or is it that they were offline? He doesn't. He doesn't elaborate. Uh, but this is where the whole thing turns completely absurd. You, they, it, we may be talking about a car, but this is a complete train wreck. What has occurred here? Farley, nonetheless, praised other aspects of Ford's new F one fifty Lightning, including its front end trunk. He calls a frunk. And first of all. He's not the one to invent the term frunk. Frunk has been there for a while. I'm pretty sure it's been there at least since Tesla. Porsche has had a frunk for years. The 911 has had a frunk forever. Uh, but so, yeah, the other, this is what's praiseworthy of the truck, of the F- Ford F-150 Lightning. Uh, it, 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 this is, I'm sure, what every... 
four by four pickup truck driving rural living American has been waiting for is the frunk. Finally. Uh, just the top of top of line praise. Uh, let's see. Oh, he also enjoyed the community of EV drivers he met while waiting at charging stations. Yeah, the community all uh, bonding over what a terrible experience it is. The Ford CEO also displayed the truck's ability to power non-travel related tasks, like helping jump a disabled individual's electric scooter <laughs> and powering the inflation of a children's bounce house. The the uh, the the idea that they that he that they're using. Using the F-150 to charge a disabled individual's electric scooter. So it basically is uh, these uh, terrible electric devices uh, charging each other to keep each other alive. Uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that that went into complete insanity. And also insane, Elon Musk. We've talked about this many times. X... Twitter, Elon Musk, no savior. He is not a savior. He is uh, he's no savior of free speech. He is creating uh, the West's version, the U.S. version of, uh, I forget the name of it, the Chinese app, uh, uh, Weibo, is it Weibo? I, I don't forget the name of it. Uh, but it's like the, the, the everything app. This is where your social credit score is going to be. This is where you're going to buy everything. This is where you uh, do all of your social media. That's what he's trying to build. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a prison. Uh, and th- this is all beginning to be confirmed. People are beginning to see the evidence is, is building up. Here's a headline from Revolver. Elon's new censorship chief was just unmasked, and he's a double agent. We all held high hopes for Twitter when Elon Musk stepped in. Well, we didn't all have high hopes there, pal. Uh, We all had high hopes for Twitter when Elon Musk stepped in and purchased the platform. While his intentions seemed good, with his heart in the right place, he's quickly discovering that America may not be as free as he thought she was. When it comes down to it, the shots aren't being called by the Constitution, but by woke companies like Apple, Amazon, and Chase. Sadly, that's why Twitter isn't turning into the bastion of free speech we had hoped for, thanks to the crew who's taking over the helm. And one of the biggest standouts is Aaron Rodericks, a flaming liberal who's now heading up censorship. Here's what Mike Benz, the founder of Foundation for Freedom Online, had to say about this, quote, double agent. And he says, Mike Benz says, Twitter's current censorship recruiter, Aaron Rodericks, promotes the most scandalous censorship agency in the federal government, DHS's uh, uh, CISA, CISA. And he backs up CISA's head of mis-, dis-, and malinformation subcommittee, Kate Starbird. He's actively working against Musk's professed vision. Uh, Yeah, I'm not surprised one bit. This is what you can expect. Uh, everybody should probably uh, abandon X and move over to Truth. I think we're going to move uh, our activity over to Truth. I don't know that we're going to depart Twitter entirely, but uh, uh, yeah, Twitter is uh, X is an evil company. I I believe it's an evil company. Uh, so yeah, well then there's Snow White, produced by Disney, also another evil company. Uh, and uh, they are making a lot of waves. You know, I'm not sure that this is going to be bad for their uh, box office because uh, when you take into account Barbie was a uh, complete social justice film and uh, it did gigantic business, record-breaking business. Uh, So there's reason to believe that if... uh, And Barbie was a terrible film, just as a empirically filmmaking is a poor piece of filmmaking and did just tremendous business. So uh, why is there any reason to believe that even if Snow White, the live action remake starring Gal Gadot, who played Wonder Woman and Rachel Ziegler, who you probably have not heard of except for the clips that are being uh, circulated right now for her comments about Snow White, uh, 
Uh, but she was apparently in, uh, uh, let's see, what she was in a f- major box office failure, uh, West Side Story. That's right. The, uh, the, didn't Steven Spielberg make, remake that film? And it was just a complete bomb. Yeah, Steven Spielberg, a total disaster. Uh, and, uh, Gal Gadot and Ziegler were being interviewed at a uh, at, at a it looks like it was a Disney Expo uh, or some some Expo. What does it say? Does that say Disney? I can't read it. And uh, some I'm sure some entertainment junket. And they're being asked about the Snow White uh, live action remake. And these comments went uh, and made people nuts. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937, and we absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's is not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be, and the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. Uh. <sighs> Why can't she be both? <laughs> Why can't she be a leader who also wants and longs for true love? Uh, you know, uh, there's that saying, nobody on their deathbed wishes they had attended one more meeting. No one. No, you wish you had spent more time with your loved ones. And the premise here is that that is to be shunned. Saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's Why? Why not? Why shouldn't everybody be dreaming about true love? <laughs> uh, love makes the world go round, and it's a small world after all. No, no, no. Leadership makes the world go round. That's pathetic. I have to confess, I hope it does very well at the box office, but I just think it's... Oh, it's no good. Yes, you're not mistaken. A short episode today. I'm on the road, so uh, abbreviated episode. But maybe you like that. Maybe we maybe we like the Truthbait podcast at under an hour. Let me know. Write me a truth at truthbait.com. Truth at truthbait.com. Let me know if you like like me to speed through the show do a shorter show uh maybe that's the thing to do when i don't have my friend jeremy my partner jeremy come back soon uh listen every tuesday and friday where you will receive a new episode of the truth bait podcast without fail to the best of our ability Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Thank you to Big Al and Joliet and Janice in Arizona also wrote in. Uh, and a number of other people wrote in. I'm sorry that I started naming that because I'm, I now know I'm going to be leaving people off the list. But uh, thank you for writing in. You know who you are. And if you want a personal mention, just write in again and tell me you want a personal mention. I'll do that for you. Uh, and um, until then, until next time, as you know, we say, back into the sea of truth. <laughs> no. <laughs> back into the sea of clickbait with us all.